What is happening, people? This is the Big Dudes in the Trenches, Dudes in the Trenches podcast. I am Doug. Over there is Doug. Up there is Bug. How y'all doing today? Oh, we're still moving around, man, but uh, <laughs> it's good to be back. I'm glad I could be on this week. Uh, I was kind of taken by surprise last week, so uh, yeah, it's it's good to be back. Sounds like there are children in the background, too. Very exciting times. Hey, did you know that mini camps are happening? The NFL is like ablaze right now with people attending minicamp and it's like for some reason that's all the news so that's cool so so hold on before we actually get into in, into nfl news uh i know i'm jumping the gun here a little bit but i want to congratulate us boys uh all three of us on uh being part owners of a championship team we'll get more into that later but uh congrats <laughs> that is technically accurate and that's the best kind of accurate so let's get right into things <laughs> Love to see it. So, yeah, NFL news. Uh, there are people attending minicamp. There are people refusing to attend minicamp. For some reason, people are talking about all these things. It's I, it's almost like care. it's June minicamp in the NFL offseason. I don't know. Yeah, so weird. Like Almost like it's, these things are scheduled and you know, almost, you're expecting well, them to take place. And it's almost like people hold out every year. Right. It's almost like it's not required. The only, the only other thing that's even the only other thing I would say is a bigger story is teams that are getting in trouble for having contact practices earlier, earlier than they're supposed to, and they're getting fined. Yeah, one practice later in the season, or maybe a couple thousand dollars. Like, so that was the Bears. The Cowboys today got hit with a hundred thousand dollar fine in the loss of a practice next year. Yeah. So wait a minute. Wait a minute. Why next year? reasons oh that's right the NFL's the epitome of consistency yes <laughs> i think the bears i think the bears practice they lost was next season too though i don't i think the fine was levied on mike mccarthy specifically <laughs> like not even the organization <laughs> i mean i wouldn't put it past jerry jones to have the organization find and so he in return finds the coach to get that money back I don't know. Didn't McCarthy like spend the night at his house or something? Oh, what a he, night! That's that's why he got hired. It was good times. <laughs> Late December out in Jerry. No need for the uh, orchids of Asia when you just can just have you know <laughs> a hopeful coach come to your house. Well, anyway, so fast. The real news of the week was Micah Fitzpatrick signing the largest contract for any safety in NFL history. Of course, drafted by the Miami Dolphins, said, let me out. I hate this. And is now playing his best life in Pittsburgh. Can I tell you the thing that annoys me the most about that whole Lincoln Fitzpatrick situation in Miami? That you wish you still had him? No. Yes, I understand. <laughs> no, he sat there and said that he was so annoyed playing a versatile safety. He just wanted to play safety. And gets to Pittsburgh. And they use him as a versatile safety. He's like, this is the greatest thing in the world. It's like, dude, just say you want it out. Like, I'd have respected that more. Like, hey, I hate Adam Gase. And I've been like, yeah, bro, I do too. Like, yeah, send it. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so it is a four-year extension, which means he's on contract for five years total now. Over $18.4 million per year is the report. Only $36 million guaranteed. So about two years of that guaranteed. Kind of interesting. For an all-pro, very young safety still, I'm kind of surprised that you only guaranteed half the contract, considering the way things are going in the NFL right now. I mean, 
I'm not surprised. His attitude has shown to be an issue, and that's probably what leads to it, uh, you know, the way he left Miami. So is it fair? Yeah. But at the end of the day, you got to protect your business, your team, your assets, and somebody that, you know, might end up doing something like that uh, again. I don't know that I would want to guarantee much more than that, although I do understand where you're coming from there. I, like I said, it or not like I said, as I'm about to say. Um, right. Yeah, big words. Um, and I lost where I was going. No. Uh, so. All right. So anyway. No, hold on. Hold on. I got it again. We're good. Um, what I was going to say is the, the whole argument of is it fair? I would say yes, because he signed it. Is it surprising to Doug's point? Also, yes. It can be both surprising and fair. All right. Fair enough. That Hot was take right there. That was Hot not surprising, takes. but still fair. Two very See? different things. <laughs> <laughs> so the next bit of information coming out of the NFL this past week, the Spanos family apparently hates each other, which we've known for a while. But uh, the actual owner of the Chargers is getting sued by his sister for some reason. So, so it's a couple things. I think part of it is uh, misogynistic uh, mistreatment of the workplace type thing because she is also a part owner. But here's the big one is she's also tying in fiduciary responsibility, which is saying that if you are part owner of a business, you have a responsibility to, responsibility to do what is in the best interest of the, of the investors, of anybody else who owns a stake in that company. So right. she's basically claiming that he's not doing that. And made a bunch of moves that have actually lost them money. Okay. I thought they were fighting over what the will said, too. Yeah, that, that seems to be the old argument. I don't know if that's still the argument. It just feels like nobody gets along in this Panos family. I'm sure the Chargers will be sold in the next five years at this point. Definitely. Jeff, Bezos. There are three teams that are probably on the verge of being sold. You've got the, the Commanders, You've got the Chargers, and uh, please, Miami, please. <laughs> hey, didn't they almost sell it to, like, Tom Brady or something? I feel like I heard that. Or maybe oh, yeah. It up yeah. To irritate you. yeah, and then they almost, apparently, almost gave Sean Payton, like, $10 trillion to coach yeah, him like, next season. Apparently, they offered him a $100 million contract. <laughs> Man, I don't know if he's that good, honestly. <laughs> he had Drew Brees. <laughs> I mean, I guess if he has Tom Brady, same difference. I mean, if Drew Brees is coming out, you know, he's not going to do the, the broadcasting thing anymore. You never know. You True. Know. Put Big Tua facts. back on the bench for another year, it'll be fine. That's where Tua belongs, man. Anyway. I hate both of you. <laughs> let's get out of the NFL. There's not a whole lot happening this week in the NFL. So, let's jump to college, where even less is happening. And the... WWE is getting some partnerships going with college football, which I think is very interesting. Ever since name, image, and likeness has become a thing, every year WWE has been reaching out to a couple of student athletes, trying to get them involved, trying to get them on some kind of a contract before hopefully they come over and try to be a WWE superstar, which makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, look at some of the biggest names in the sport. They used to be college football players. So, 
I am interested to see how well this works out for WWE. At the same time, I think that's a really cool opportunity for the football players. No, it is. And the WWE has had some success finding some superstars out of college football. Uh, some of you may potentially have heard of The Rock, but, you know, small name. You know, Roman Reigns, the biggest superstar in WWE right now. John Wasn't Cena. Brock Lesnar? Yeah. Brock Lesnar was a wrestler at Minnesota. And then he oh, okay. quit WWE, tried out for the Vikings, made it all the way through mini made it all the way through mini camp, made it to the final cuts and got cut. Went back to WWE, went to UFC, went to WWE. And we're playing this this ring ring dance right now. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So and that's just to name a few. I'm pretty sure Stone Cold Seals played. I'm pretty sure. I'm yeah. pretty sure the Undertaker played football. I mean it's a smart yeah. move on their part, and uh, especially at a time where, you know, we're not a wrestling podcast, but there's a lot of issues in the WWE um, with guys leaving, going elsewhere. It's a right. good move on their part, for sure, and it's cool to see. I was going to say, the one good thing Shad Khan has going for him right now really is AEW. I mean, and it's Tony we'll get back to that, that so... <laughs> we'll, we'll get back to uh, Shad Khan and how he's faring in a, in a little while <laughs> but let's stick on college football for right now uh the there have been some announcements which we've known are coming for a while they've become official actually this week for instance cincinnati houston and ucf officially reached an agreement to go ahead and join the big 12 in 2023 so that's one more season in the american this coming season they will be in the american after that they're in the big 12 now, Oklahoma and Texas are still technically scheduled to join the SEC in 2025. I don't think that lasts much longer, right? You would have to assume Oklahoma and Texas are going to try to get out of there next year, if not the latest, probably 2024. Which they but, have now come out and said that they're going to try and do. Even still, with that arrangement, it looks like we're going to have some games with Cincinnati, Houston, UCF, and Oklahoma, Texas, all in the Big 12. Big, honestly, it's going to be a, a good conference at that point, or at least fun to watch. I, for one year. It's yeah. Going be, yeah. It's going to be a massive, awesome conference for one year. I. The thing that sucks the most is Cincinnati, UCF, and Houston are probably going to be 1, 2, and 3 in the American this year. Um. Man, it's uh, it's a shame that literally the Americans literally going to lose their top three teams uh, after this season, and uh, we'll of course talk more about the American in a couple of weeks. But as far as Oklahoma and Texas go, I don't know. I I I understand wanting to leave in twenty twenty four at the absolute latest. Being there for two years with a very full conference doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But at the same time is the Big 12 really going to be willing to let them go? They're two big cash cows. And look, Cincinnati, Houston, UCF, and uh, BYU are going to bring in money. But combined, they're not going to bring in the money that even Texas brings in. Or go to the smaller of the two, Oklahoma. They're not going to match that. And that's actually part of the issue is and why they're not leaving this year, why they're not leaving. I don't even think they're leaving next year. I think it's going to be 2024 because buying out the last two years of a contract is significantly cheaper than buying out the last three or four. Uh, And that's that's what Texas and Oklahoma are going to have to do is they have to come to a settlement with the Big 12 to leave. 
Right, and you would still expect that settlement to be pretty massive. Yeah, it's going to be massive. So while Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF are looking at increasing their conference payout from about $7 million to about, I don't know, 30 or so million, which is pretty sweet. It's and, only a uh, minor the, jump of four times. Right. The <laughs> There are six teams about to join the American coming over from Conference USA, which will also now officially happen in 2023. This coming season, they're still in Conference USA. 2023 season starting, they'll be in the American Conference. That is Charlotte, Florida Atlantic, North Texas, Rice, UAB, and UTSA. So all those teams, all six of those teams are coming over in 2023 officially now, taking the American back to 14 teams, which is the largest I think they've ever been, actually. Pretty, pretty awesome especially for these teams, considering the payout, like I was just alluding to, the payout for Conference USA is only about $500,000 a year, and the American is about $7 million. So these teams are going to start to upgrade their athletic facilities pretty quickly. Yeah, very, which is, much which is what they need. That. Which is what right. they need. Yeah, I mean, you look okay. at it, Charlotte, Florida, Atlantic, and Rice absolutely uh, need to do something to entice people to go there because if you're going to go to a college in Houston to play football, you're going to go to Houston. You're not going to go to Rice. Right? right. So they've already got that going against them. North Texas, they've been on the up and up. We talked about Conference USA already uh, and talked at length about them. UAB and UTSA, UAB since coming back, bringing football back, has been, I'll call them a group of five powerhouse uh, and definitely a powerhouse in Conference USA. And then, of course, what – uh, Jeff Trailers built at UTSA. Uh, they're yeah. going to be great additions to the American. Uh, 14 teams is going to be a great thing for them as well. I'm just curious what's going to happen. Looking at SMU Memphis and potentially Temple leaving uh, the American in the future. Oh, wait, this this isn't okay. Are we going to have – isn't Temple the Owls too? Yes. Yes. That needs to be. We need to manufacture that rivalry. I don't three, care how the three-way Temple, Florida Atlantic, and Rice Owls. Yes. Owls up. Yes. The just the owl just call, barn. No, just call it the Owls Nest. They haven't done it with the Tigers in the SEC yet, so they've been right. they've been at that for what four years, yeah, the, seven years. But the SEC years. doesn't really need to manufacture rivalry games. They have enough of them. I mean, Mizzou needs a rival. Not really. I don't give a fuck about Mizzou, but. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, Charlotte was the kind of odd team out to me with this. Why would you want to include Charlotte? And then I was thinking, well, they have ECU in the conference. Yeah, it's right there. Give somebody, like, right next door. And when you look at other sports, part of the announcement to bring these teams in in 2023 focus more around basketball and baseball than it did about football, even. This is going to bring them up to 14 teams for football, but it's going to bring them to, what, 15 teams for most other sports, right? Though they have a non-football member still. Wichita State. Yes, but Navy's a football But Navy offsets that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Fair enough. So 14 teams across all sports. And that, I mean, that's even Charlotte for other sports is a really solid addition if that's what you're looking for. So 
they're trying to grow their brand and they're doing it the right way. Charlotte's also like, yeah, you have ECU there, but it does give them a little bit further reach, just a little more north than what a lot of their schools are. Uh, it's not, you know, we're still not talking up in the northeast yet, but it's helping to build that brand and establish that footprint in in North Carolina, and then they can expand from there if they want. Well, hey, ECU was a host, uh, a regional host for the College World yep. Series this year, so. Right. All, and then I know Wichita State has been a host, you know, previously. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, this is just a really, I want to say a really good baseball conference. The SEC is dominating baseball right now. But this is, uh, these are going to be big moves, and especially especially baseball and basketball, even football, yep. man. I mean, we, we I talked about that already. So, yeah, it's, a, it's an exciting time to be a fan of American Athletic Conference schools. Right. Even – just sticking to football, Rice, you have a lot of history coming into the conference. UAB and UTSA, you have a lot of momentum coming into the conference. I, mean, I would say Florida Atlantic and North Texas have very solid foundations to build upon what they are right now. And Charlotte's kind of the unknown to me, but at the same time, they've been a brand rising very, very yeah. quickly. So we'll and see I, what they can do. I, I will throw out here, too, there's a lot of people that – um, particularly Memphis fans, right? That's where I'm getting a lot of, you know, right. a lot of reactions to this, obviously. And when Memphis was going to the Big East, everybody was thrilled, and the Big East kind of started dissolving, and the Americans formed, and it's it was really a lot like old Conference USA, old school Conference USA. A lot of those people were pretty upset, but again, Louisville, Cincinnati, Houston, like all those teams had improved exponentially as well. Now it's starting to look like a lot of new old Conference USA. When Memphis left and joined the Big East and what became the American, uh, now it's starting to look like that. So there's a lot of people that are upset. But, again, Memphis fans are very good at caring about Memphis sports and don't really have much of a scope of what's going on outside. I think all these moves are great for the American Athletic Conference. It is tough losing your three best football schools. And, look, Houston's been – Houston and Cincinnati have been climbing in basketball. UCS been high up in basketball, right. and they've all had moments in baseball and other sports right. as well, obviously. You know, glossing over some of the big ones there. But, yeah, it's uh, – the Americans going to be just fine. I'm not concerned at all. Last bit of news for college football this week. The Army-Navy game has announced the next five cities that they will be having America's game. Uh, over the next five years, we have five different cities. So 2023, we will be in Foxborough. I'm assuming Gillette Stadium, though that wasn't made official. Yeah, it is. I can I can confirm that for you. I mean, is there any other stadium in Foxborough? So. No, but I also, <laughs> you know, I have connections. Field. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so the reason we're doing it in Foxborough 2023 is the 250th anniversary of the Boston Tea Party, also the 225th anniversary of the maiden voyage of the USS Constitution. Pretty cool anniversaries there I love in it. the Boston I, area. All of these things I love. The only one I don't is 2024. Well, 2024 is in Landover, Maryland. It's the 125th anniversary of America's game, which was not originally in Maryland. So I don't know why they're doing it. Yeah, Maryland, that one doesn't make I, sense. I don't know why they're doing it there, but it's really frustrating me that they're doing it at FedEx Field. Right. If they're going right. to, if you ask me, if you're going to do the 125th anniversary of America's game, 
do it at the stadium of America's team in Dallas? Like the no, 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 that. <laughs> They're doing it in the D.C. metro area, which makes enough sense. I'll give them a pass. It's basically in our nation's capital. Yeah, but, but everything else, like literally any other stadium would have been more fit. Yeah. <laughs> 2025 will be in Baltimore. Uh, the backdrop will be Fort McHenry. You know, that's going to be a big focus of the area in the game. It's not really for the anniversary of the Star Spangled Banner, but that was written at Fort McHenry. So that'll be the backdrop there. Um, technically, it's been, it will be the 211th anniversary of our national anthem. 2026 will be in East Rutherford, New Jersey, the New York metro area. It's the 25th anniversary of 9-11. Since you're not giving out stadium names, I will confirm for you that that's going to be uh, MetLife. Uh, just Again, so- are there any other stadiums in East Rutherford, New Jersey? You could probably build one in the mounds of trash in East Rutherford. I'm just... <laughs> just play into the parking lot outside of MetLife. That's that all. might be safer. <laughs> and then 2027 will be in Philadelphia where the game is most often played, actually, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, It is the 240th anniversary of the first Constitutional Convention, and actually the 251st anniversary of the signing of the Declaration of Independence all happened in Philadelphia. So pretty cool. I like the selections, and some of the reasoning is a little bit wonky, but they made it fit. I, I will say they have played routinely at, at the link too, uh, if yeah. it's still called the link. But that being said, if there was one reason to delay and not do it in Philly on the 250th anniversary of the declaration, it would have been the 25th anniversary of 9-11. So right. you know, I, I understand. Yeah, and we kind of gloss over it being in Baltimore. If it's going to be at, what, M&T Bank Stadium, they play that game there yeah. regularly as well. So Right. Uh, not not huge moves there uh, as far as Philly and Baltimore, but the other ones are going to be vastly different than anything they have done previously. Well, the only big difference is I don't believe they've played in Gillette or in FedEx Field before. No, nope. right. Either it, of those stadiums. They have the played, they played at MetLife. They played when? on MetLife in, in 2001. Uh, that was actually part of it. They moved the game in 2001 for yeah. that. Was it still MetLife or was it the Meadowlands? It was the Meadowlands. Either way, I mean, same, it's the same thing, same city, right? yeah. Right. Most so, they were playing on top of Jimmy Hoffa, yes. They're actually, he's on the sidelines, he's oh, so they were standing on him. All <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, so they were walking all over him, <laughs> anyway. Yeah, five cities, five years for the America's game, pretty cool, respect it. <laughs> That's all I got for college news. Hand it over to Bug now. What do you got for some non-NFL stuff? Other non-NFL pro things. news wise. Yeah, it's uh, look the USFL again. I'll throw this out here. Didn't get to watch it. <laughs> I didn't want to watch it, so we're we're even. But you you caught it though, huh? I've heard. Um, I saw some highlights. That was a thing. Yeah, I've, I think my overall uh, feeling on this and from what I have seen uh, and what I have heard, it's 
kind of like watching the AAF. And if the XFL hadn't happened, it would be fine. But the XFL talent level was that much better. And I think that's kind of where everybody is at with this league right now. Uh, it is unfortunate because, you know, I wanted to see good 100-yard football uh, in the right. spring. And hopefully we will when the XFL returns. I'm curious what the talent pool is going to look like between these two leagues. But uh, I am slightly concerned the USFL is going to get blown out of the water. However, the good news is they're going to push right along with the playoffs, and I bring that up because they're already set with one week left in the season. There's only eight teams, and uh, a couple of teams have fallen way behind while others have gone way ahead. Uh, June 25th, the Stars will face the Generals, and the Breakers will face the Stallions in Canton, Ohio, Ohio at the Hall of Fame field with Trace Adkins uh, performing. I don't remember if it was at halftime or pregame of both of those shows. I feel like we showed the graphic of it last week. I don't remember. Uh, I know. Probably, I, I would say probably in between the games. That would make sense Any to me. Halftime of the day. I mean, I mean <laughs> ah, whatever. Yeah, it's that's probably too logical for the USFL. <laughs> but all right. But like we said, uh, all the games have already those matches have already been decided. Kind of brings us to what happened this week. The Generals beat the Panthers 25-23. to The Breakers beat the Bandits 17-6. to And the Stars beat the Maulers 17-16. to And the Stallions, Birmingham Stallions, previously undefeated. Previously, because they lost this week to the Gamblers 17-15. to The first loss of the season. They've got to just be resting the most important guys, right? I, like there's, I was yeah, going to say. There's no other explanation for this. They clinch. Right. They clinched like week five. Let's be honest. <laughs> um, there's now they're tied for the best record in the USFL though at I, eight and one. I will say I'm intrigued with what this does for them. If especially if they lose this week too, they shouldn't. Um, but if they do, if they're still resting their guys, that's intriguing. Going undefeated to start the year, losing the last two, and then moving to a new stadium away from home for the first time. That is a recipe for disaster for a team with high expectations that they have built you know, for themselves. I'll, I'll throw this out here because NFL playoffs are great uh, at, at home stadiums, right? Mm-hmm. But I wonder if neutral site playoffs and championships for the USFL are going to be the move for them going forward. Well, I'm, like- I'm curious how that's going to change once they do go to their respective cities, right? I, I agree, and I love the intrigue with it. But like I said, just when you look at it from a team build standpoint, it is an absolute disaster if if Birmingham loses this week because it's it's a like I said, it's a recipe for disaster. Those a lot of those teams, especially when you're playing your first game away from home all season, because they've been home all season, that usually does not bode well for for a team coming in on two straight losses going into the playoffs. I mean, at the same time, it doesn't matter. They already know they're going to be playing the Breakers, and they've already beaten the Breakers, I believe, twice, right, this year? I think so. so I think so. Kind of, who cares? <laughs> I'm not going to lie. That will take us to the preview for this week. Two games on Saturday the 18th. Um, I'm, I'm not going to fully commit to watching them, but I think there's a, I have a better chance of watching them this week than I've had in quite some time. And well, what a good one to start off with because it's the exact 
preview of one of our playoff games. Exactly. They will play on back-to-back weeks, 12 p.m. Eastern on USA, the Stars versus the Generals, 6-3 and three Stars versus the 8-1 and one Generals. And then we will see another playoff team in the nightcap for this week on Saturday at 4 p.m. on Fox. The 8-1 and one Stallions will face the 4-5 and five Bandits. And then there's two games on Sunday to round out the weekend of USFL action. At 12 p.m. Eastern on USA, it'll be the 1-8 Panthers versus the 1-8 Maulers. Somebody has to win. will finish the season with two wins. And then on the late, late, late night, 8.30 on Fox, the 6-3 and three Breakers versus the 2-7 and seven Gamblers. The 2-7 and seven Gamblers on, a, on the biggest win of the season by any team. And uh, I'm going to be honest, I thought the Gamblers were going to be a lot better this year to begin with. So the fact that uh, they actually ended up beating the Stallions, I'm not overly surprised, but I'm still surprised at the same time, right? Who made these schedules to the point where all of their primetime games on Sunday night have been absolute garbage? <laughs> In well, fairness, I think, I think it's just a matter of they didn't have any flex scheduling built in. Well... Which, again, why would you not, since they're all playing in the same city? In fairness, though, what game were they going to flex? Stars, Generals? You're going to get that next week in the playoffs anyway. I I still would draw a better viewership than Breakers, Gamblers. They're they're drawing good enough viewership. That should have been the nightcap. Finish off the season on a strong note. (laughs) One of these teams ended <laughs> their year with a win. <laughs> with two. With two wins. Top. Yeah. The last I'm going to laugh. Season. I'm going to laugh. You said one of these teams is leaving here with two wins. I'm going to laugh tie. when it ends in a tie. I did not say two wins. You no, Ben did. Wins. Ben did earlier. Okay. All right. If All right. they tie, man, that's going to be wild. <laughs> then that definitely should have been the primetime <laughs> game. That should have been the primetime game. That's it for the oh, USFL. Man. Like I said, I'm going to try and tune in this weekend. You should, too. Right, it's football. Watch I it. shouldn't. I shouldn't. Shame yeah. on you. Moving on to the FCS. It's my birthday really Saturday. Good. I'm not watching crappy football. I'm going to be happy instead. Checks. Moving on to the football <laughs> we really care about, the FCF. Yes. Tug spoke this into existence all fucking season. Oh, yeah, the Zappers, they, they played so bad to start last season, but then they made the championship. No, no, they played no, they all did year not. And did that was this season, actually. <laughs> that was the seed. He spoke it into reality, and the Zappers overcome the Board 8 Football Club and oh, win 42-24. to 24. Johnny Manziel's a champion. First and Congrats, foremost, let's guys. get that one out of the way. No, no. First and foremost, we are champions. <laughs> Johnny Big Football's facts. a champion. Uh, <laughs> it has been quite the season for the Zappers from – Terrell freaking Owens joining your team to then trading right. the Hall of Famer midseason and then and still winning games to the playoffs and what you know <laughs> that trade just yeah. catapulted them and what do you know they're they're FCF champions the second ever people's champions uh not that it's gonna it matters right now because really of course the OG teams won the first one they were the only ones but now the OG teams are 2-0 when it comes to championships and uh the NF teams have zero. So let's keep it that way. Let's go OG teams next season. Get ready for it. Be on the lookout for when tryouts are, Doug. Uh, 
and uh, <laughs> other opportunities to buy into the league. I don't know if they're going to bring in more uh, NFT teams, if they're going to bring in more more OG style teams. I feel like eight's probably a good number for the way this league is structured. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Right now, eight is perfect. Uh, I think trading cards are coming down the pipe. I think an FCF video game is coming down the pipe. Uh, be on the lookout for that. And trust me, we will talk about it when it comes. No, I how? Who's well, voting for the plays? Me as I'm picking it. <laughs> yes. Same yeah. way you would in Madden, right? Yeah, but I'm not voting for it. Yes, you're voting. It's just, Never mind. I'm not. I'm not going to entertain that. I, I know. I know. I know. I'm looking like forward to the FCF game more than I am the next Madden. Put it that way. I can't wait. One hundred percent. And with that, we said we'd bring up when the FCF came out with new stuff. Well, FCFIO, the parent company, whatever it is actually called, uh, they've made an announcement for the next bank. Now, yeah, they've made an announcement for the next fan cold sport. I mentioned this uh, when I was talking about the most recent fan poll or fan survey, fan council survey, that they were asking, what sport would you like to see fan control? In my opinion, there's really a couple that it works really well with, baseball being one of them. It's not fan-controlled baseball. Don't worry. Uh, It's fan-controlled hoops. It's going to be three-on-three basketball. I have no idea how it's going to be fan-controlled other than drafting your team. I'm sure that's going to be in there. Um it's just a fast-paced game. Yeah. It's yeah. It's so fast-paced. I don't know how you're gonna. I want him to miss this free throw. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how you're gonna be able to do it. So it's gonna be interesting to see, though. And uh, who knows? I mean, it, my only concern is they haven't. They did a bunch of testing for fan-controlled football. I yeah. feel like they're just like, oh, we'll try. We'll make it work with basketball somehow. I, we'll, right. We'll, we'll figure it out. It I vote this time. They go down the court. And they make it in the basket. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> I vote they don't turn it over. Right? That's that's my vote too. I'm all on board with that one. Right. It's I don't know. If if anybody has we'll any see. idea of how they're gonna do this, please <laughs> let us know in the comments because as you can tell, we're pretty yeah. fucking lost on how this is gonna work. But <laughs> I mean that just goes uh, to show we we don't know basketball like at all. So I do know that there are plays you can call. At the same time, I, I just don't I feel know like how you're going to get down to them. Right, most of that happens during a timeout. You're really trying to draw something up, or the point. So, you know, the point guard's dribbling down the court. You know, right. you've got twenty seconds for twenty you or thirty know, have seconds your, for fans to vote. And get have your point in. guard wearing headset or something? Yeah. How is he going to get the votes in fast enough? Right, like. Right, and yeah. you know he could wear an earpiece, but is it going to get it in fast enough? Right, so that that almost be like right. hockey. I can think of a few areas where you could get in there. Hey, do you pull the goalie in this situation? Hey, right, you know what power player are you going to run? What type of uh, penalty killer are you going to run? But on the on the end to end stuff, it just it doesn't work. Yeah. Maybe you can set a strategy for a quarter and try to. Yeah, change a defensive I style. Uh, I guess we'll offensive have to focus. See. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see what we'll they do, but we'll I I kind of believe in the company sure. right now. So yeah, they they've made it easy to trust them at the moment. We'll see what they can and do. They've made it. They made it two seasons. They have their own facility. I mean, this look. Whatever you think about the FCF, they're making fucking moves. This is right. they're not going right. anywhere for a while. So that does so, it for all of our news across everything. Kind of a slow week, honestly. 
not too much news happening. So we decided, hey, let's get another segment off in here. Let's talk about second-year quarterbacks. Now, I threw every second-year quarterback on this list and had you guys put some notes down for them, including all the way down to Sam Ellinger. Who? Who? Yeah. So <laughs> we'll start at the top, though, with this is the order that they were drafted in. So my number one overall pick, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, we're doing a market watch style, and, you know, you'll figure out what that means as we get going here. Who wants to start us off? Sorry, I just noticed what you put in it. Sorry, in the parentheses, and I'm laughing now. Bear down. Yes. yes. All right, uh, I'll, I'll take us. I'll, I'll start us off with Trevor Lawrence here since I'm already talking. Um, guys, he's a bull. Uh, 100%, I'd be putting my money behind him right now. Uh, reason is, he's got talent. He's got the talent. We know he does. Even with his incompetent staff, he put up 3,600 yards passing last year. Now he's got a competent staff. Uh, competent staff words. Uh, he's got his weapons coming back. He's got his favorite checkdown receiver of all time coming back in Travis Etienne. Uh, I see nowhere to go for him but up. Uh, and I would say very easily eclipsing the 4,000-yard mark this year. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm bullish as well for less exciting reasons. I don't think he's really going to be that amazing. I have always stood by. He's more of a Carson Palmer than a Peyton Manning. But at the same time, yeah, he's good. And you should be – it should make a difference when you spend that much money on bringing in some wide receiver talent and at least try to help the offensive line a little bit. And you have a coaching staff that doesn't just hate football. So we'll see if there's any improvement no. there. He I liked would, football. He it. hates kickers. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, kickers oh, aren't man. football players. So, you know. <laughs> he didn't Except like football Hacker. as much as he enjoyed his chop house. <laughs> I was oh, just going to say that say that to Pat Mack. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, this one's easy. With He's, you know, get behind this guy. It's a bull for sure. Confident staff. Look, he did fine last year. That's a solid rookie season. It's not rookie of the year. Not often you're going to see rookie of the year quarterbacks at this point in time anymore. <laughs> and he was given an absolute disaster. So the fact that he was able to do what he did, it's only going to go up from here. Next quarterback taken in the draft was Zach Wilson of the New York Jets. And I think it's probably a bull for him too, right? Got to be bullish on Zach Wilson. He is in a great situation now, believe it or not. It looks like the Jets' offense has a lot of talent and a lot of good pieces. So it feels like if he has the talent everyone thinks he does, this ought to be a great situation for him. Seems like somebody you can invest in. Yeah, this one's pretty easy. The number that sticks out to me is 44 sacks. Uh, they've got to improve on that, but they improve on that. Everything else is going to go up as well, and these aren't horrible numbers to begin with, especially when you consider it's the fucking New York Jets, and they've had issues forever. Easy bull here. You said the fucking New York Jets. I think it's the New York fucking Jets. The goddamn Jets. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've i got them in a bull, too. The Jets have one of the best offseasons. We 
best off seasons this year. We've, we've been praising them uh, for a few weeks now. Uh, and he's got weapons all over the place. They built that O line. Um, I don't know if he's got the same talent that I expect Trevor Lawrence to have, uh, but he's still good. He's in a much better situation. Definitely going to have some more success this year. Uh, you know, I'm going to keep in my trends here, and I'm going I'm to say he's going to eclipse the 3,000 yard mark this year. That's better than 2,000. Hey, I agree. Making, making progress. Bull. Next up would be Trey Lance. And I gotta say, I'm kind of bearish on Trey Lance. It just feels like if you really believed in the guy, if he was really showing you what you needed to see, why do you still have Garoppolo? And why does it still feel like Garoppolo Spencer is a starter? I'm I'm going to agree with you, and I'm gonna add one more thing to it, just to add to your question. Why do you still have him when basically you hey he and the team came out and announced that they were gonna look for a trade for him. That right. starts to scream issues for me. So yeah, I, I'm a bear hurt. with him. Okay. Nobody wants he's... him right now. And they can't cut him because that's gonna fuck up their cap because apparently cutting people actually does hurt your imaginary cap numbers. I'm going with the bull because I do think that Trey Lance is the guy that they want in the starting quarterback position. Uh, There's just other things that are kind of tying their hands right now, and that's why Jimmy G is still there. Shanahan has even said he expects a trade to come. He just doesn't know when. Jimmy G has to get healthy before any of that can happen. But like Doug said, it still feels like Jimmy G is the penciled-in starter, and I get what you're saying. I agree, I I too believe that they inherently believe that Trey Lance is their future. But if I spent the number three pick on him, I want him starting day one year two. And I don't quite know if that's the guarantee right now. That's, that's the issue I have with it. That's starting to say that there's some, some doubts coming from that front office. Which is why two out of three of us are a little bit bearish on Trey Lance. It's interesting there. Uh, Bo, you want to start us off with your favorite team? Sure. I'll go with the bull <laughs> on Justin Fields uh, because I do have a lot of optimism on this team. Um, look, the biggest thing I'm going to point to is there is 0.0 chance, in my mind at least, that they're going to be running offensive schemes during practice and then do something completely fucking different in the game, which is what they were doing with Matt Nagy. Everybody on that offense for the past three years has said it to include Allen Robinson, Mitch Trubisky. Justin Fields is the only one that hasn't come out and said it, but I don't think the rookie wants to go out and trash his coach to the media, right? All these guys have done that once they've left. And so I got to respect uh, respect the players for that. Is the offense better than it was last year? That's a toss-up. But I think Justin Fields will be better. I think that offensive line is going to be better, even if marginally. And, hey, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not going to have them at 10-7. and 7. Uh, but if you go check out NFL.com, uh, somebody has them at 10 and 7, and I just kind of, I was kind of wide eyed. A lot of that is predicated on Justin <laughs> Fields. I can at least believe that Justin Fields is going to have a better season, even if I don't think they're going to go 10 and 7. See, I love Justin Fields, but I have a really hard time investing right now because it feels like the Bears are going to be in contention for the number one overall pick. That offseason was garbage. And you said it's a toss up whether the offense is better. I'd say it's definitely worse. And it's not Justin Fields' fault, and I hate it for him because I think this team's going to be dog shit this year. And it's it's hard for me to invest in a quarterback when the team's going to be so bad. So so I, I, I'm going to go bull here, and, and 
the reason I'm going bull is Doug, I think you're right. I think that offense is absolute trash. Um, I don't think they're going to win a lot of games. However, quarterbacks, especially young quarterbacks, are more than their win-loss percentage, right? So I'm looking beyond that. And I'm going to take some of Ben's argument here, too. Do I think the talent on paper is worse than it was last year on their offense? Yes. Do I think their offense as a whole will somehow perform better this year because they have a competent coaching staff in there? Also, yes. I don't think Justin Fields is going to go light it up week in, week out. He's not going to be your your day one Hall of Famer that everyone wants him to be right now, but he's going to make an improvement. And when I'm investing in a quarterback, I want to see that improvement. Even if it is a longer-term investment like it's looking like for Justin Fields, I'm still buying low right now, so I'm taking the bull. Fair enough. I do have the same grade on our next quarterback, Mac Jones. I want to say neither. I'm neither bull nor bear on Mac Jones. Kind of in the middle there. I don't know what his potential is. I don't know what his ceiling is. I trust the coaching staff more than I trust Mac Jones. And it feels like he overachieved a little bit, so I'm I'm afraid to invest. But at the same time, quarterbacks usually get better over the first few years. So I kind of don't know what to do with him. I'll throw it up to you guys. What do you think about Mac Jones? I'm going uh, bear on this one because the AFC East teams he's going to play twice all got better, and I don't feel like the Patriots did, at least not at the same clip uh, as everybody else. And I'm talking both sides of the ball. He looked great, but, man, what did they really do this offseason to help him? Yeah. Got Devontae Parker. Got Mm. Cole Strange in the first round. (laughs) Some things happened. Okay. Here's here's where I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to keep with uh, talking like this, like it's money here, like it's an actual investment, because I've realized that's what you're going for. So I'm going to keep with this. Uh, Appreciate two, it. Two of the three of us are in a dynasty league, right? If I were to trade for Mac Jones right now, I'd be buying him high. I don't like that. Um, oh. He set the bar way too high. His value is through the roof right now. And, and Doug, you brought up Devontae Parker and – yeah, he's a good wide receiver, but here's the problem. He's a vertical threat wide receiver. Mac Jones did not make his money last year vertical threat. He made his money doing the same thing Tom Brady did early in his career before he got Randy Moss, which was short, dinky passes, getting it downfield, moving methodically down the field. That's why you see him with a 67.6% completion percentage. I don't see him having the same success this year. That offensive line is markedly worse. Um I, I, you're right. I trust Bill Belichick. I just, I don't trust that I'd get the return on investment here. So I'm going bear. I, I would be selling Mac Jones right now. Fair enough. Next quarterback up was not taken in the first round. Our first, not first round quarterback of this conversation, Kyle Trask of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And once again, hand it off to you guys first. What do you think? All right. I'm going to go neither here because. I don't, I don't have enough information on him. He didn't play. He's not going to play. He's, he's Kyle Trask backing up Tom Brady, so as long as Tom Brady stays healthy, I got nothing. However, if Kyle Trask even touches the field, I'll take a bull. But I can't confirm that, so we're going we're gonna to stick with the neither. Yeah, I'm going to go neither as well if you're looking at what you're going to get out of him this season because you're probably not going to get anything. Brady... Man, he's been pretty immortal his whole career, right? One season for his ACL, right. that's really the only injury he's had his entire career, right? 
Right. Uh, so, yeah, his value potential, it hasn't moved. It probably won't move this year. And who knows? You know, Jimmy G, look what he was able to do after sitting behind Brady. He's he's a fine quarterback and should be a starter somewhere in the league, in my opinion. Uh, Kyle Trask might become that after sitting there and learning from the greatest of all time. So I, I have Kyle Trask on the decline. I'm I'm bearish on Kyle Trask here. Where can and, he go uh, down? <laughs> here's this is this was hilarious when I found this out, and it's something that we definitely could have thrown in the news, but I wanted to save it for right now because I thought it was hilarious. So Bruce Arians came out recently and was talking about I would not have retired if Tom Brady stayed retired. I love Todd Bowles too much to leave him with that quarterback room. Oh, no. He legitimately went through Kyle Trask and the other quarterbacks on that roster and was saying how bad they are and couldn't leave Todd Bowles with that quarterback room. He said, I I wanted to set Todd up in a good situation with Tom Brady coming back. I thought it was all right for me to go ahead and go. But – Kyle Trask there, I could not leave leave that team. So if Bruce Arians thinks that low of Kyle Trask, I'm going to start thinking that low of him too, and I'm going to sell any stock that I had in Kyle Trask, which was not much to begin with. I was going to say, why'd you have but any? at the same time, get out of the Kyle Trask market if Bruce Arians hates him like he, apparently he does. <laughs> Welcome to the newest episode of Mad QBs. Yeah. Uh, so almost same situation for Kellen Mond, except uh, nobody came out and publicly trashed him like Bruce Arians did Kyle Trask. Uh, the Vikings have decided that Kirk Cousins is worth a ridiculous amount of money instead of even trying to see what Kellen Mond can do. I kind of don't want to – I don't believe in Kellen Mond enough at this point. To uh, to to not pay Kirk Cousins thirty five million dollars a year, that screams some weird things to me. I would sell on Kellen Mond too. So so here's my thing with this one. Man, they've been paying that Kirk Cousins one year thirty five million dollar contract for like the past four or five seasons. I'm not gonna hit Kellen Mond with that. Uh, I've got the same reasoning. I, the dude went two for three for five yards last year. Um, but like. I, I, he has no stock to me. He can't go down from nothing. Uh, I own nothing in him. I'm not encouraging anybody to do anything with him. He's just there. <laughs> so, neither. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I'm, you have I'm any, feeling the same any, way about him okay. as Kyle Trask, so that's really all there is to it. <laughs> fair enough. Uh, a next quarterback actually did play some games, so something to talk about here. Davis Mills of uh, the Houston Texans. And I don't know what to do with him. I'm kind of in the middle because it feels like everybody loved him just because he wasn't awful. And (laughs) I don't like that uh, as far as an investment opportunity. At the same time, the Texans didn't want to put any more resources into that position. So I guess they're going to roll with Davis Mills for right now and see what they have. I kind of don't know what to do with that investment just yet. I'm going bare. I don't want anything to do with this. He's Mitch Trubisky with a much longer neck, right? 
And, you know, he wasn't drafted number two overall. But let's not get there. He's a game manager, right? Uh, fine. Cool. If that's what you want, awesome. But he's a game manager. That defense isn't that great. He's not going to be able to do much with his team. Lovey if you want a game take... manager, why not trade for Baker Mayfield? Right. <laughs> Lovey Smith did take the Bears to the Super Bowl with a game manager at quarterback. So maybe it's a bull, but that's that's the only logic I could get myself to even think that maybe this would be a good investment. So, so I'm looking at this, and again, you've got a guy whose stock is actually pretty down there. A lot of people, and you guys know me, I'm not. I've been screaming about why the Texans are riding with Davis Mills, uh, pretty much all off season. But here's my thing: he's going to take a step forward. Um, I know they don't have a lot of weapons, but he has a lot of the same weapons that he had last year, right? With that, that means he's more comfortable with them. They brought Brandon Cooks back. Um, this is absolutely a good situation for him. It's a bad situation for the Texans. Again, I'm not looking at their win-loss record. Uh, that's not how I value the quarterbacks. Uh, but I could see him getting over 3,000 yards this year, especially sitting at a 67% completion percentage and a positive touchdown to interception ratio. Uh, one of two quarterbacks on this list we can say that for. Um, so I think his stock's going to go up. I think it's down, down low right now. Uh, and, and you don't sell low, you buy low. So, yeah, I, I, I'm bullish on uh, Davis Mills. You know whose stock is even lower right now is our next quarterback on this list, Ian Book, because uh, whoever bought any Ian Book stock is <laughs> hurting. Uh, I think you have to be a little bit bare on him still just because literally the entire offseason for the Saints was hinged on clearing enough cap space to bring back Jameis Winston. Which, why you need to clear any cap space? Well, okay, it was the Saints. (laughs) And if they couldn't do that, everyone agreed they were going to be one of the worst teams in all of football history. So, it's... (laughs) Back to the New Orleans Saints, baby. Right. Right. Ian Book starting would have been absolutely awful, and everyone knew it. Yeah, you got to get rid of... If you had any inkling of Ian Book ever being a decent football player in the National Football League, I recommend selling that right now. <laughs> this this would technically be selling high, according to what Duck is saying. <laughs> yeah, if zero is high. Yeah, I'm bare on yeah. this, too, because this whole team is fucked. And uh, Ian Book, <laughs> if he does play, is not going to play well. So I I was, was 100% going to bowl because I was like, cool, he moved up on the depth chart. He's now number two because they took uh, – the true super flex himself, Taysom Hill, put him back at tight end where he belongs. Uh, but then I realized that they signed Andy Dalton, so Ian Book was immediately back to the number three yeah. on the depth chart. So uh, I'm going to go neither because, again, I never own stock in him. I would not own stock in him, and please don't own stock in him. And the last second-year quarterback on the list is Sam Ellinger of the Indianapolis Colts. Um if you ever believed in Sam Ellinger as an NFL quarterback, why? Why did you do that? I I totally <laughs> forgot he got drafted last year, so we're just going to put that where it is and take that for what you will. If Carson Wentz was still on the team, it would be a bull because at some point Wentz is going down. But with Matt Ryan there, uh, it's 100% there. 
So take our stock advice as you will. That's the second year quarterback market watch for you. If you like that segment, please let us know because I I certainly had a good time. I'm a finance guy. So if you guys had any interest in that segment, yeah, let us know because I would like to do this again with other positions for real. Uh, but it's up to you, our listeners. Reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, all of those links are scrolling on the bottom. If you're watching this live, if you are listening to us after the fact, just basically search BDT football anywhere and you can locate us relatively easily. Uh, so with that being said, let's hop into the titular segment of this episode, our preview of the Mid-American Conference. Now, I believe this is our third conference, quote-unquote conference, because we did independence before anything else. But uh, yeah, we're doing this all summer. Every week, we're going to be doing a conference for the upcoming college football season, previewing as much of it as we possibly can, and settling down with our predictions for who's going to win the conference overall. So, this week is the MAC, which is divided into East and West right now. The East, you have Akron, Bowling Green, Buffalo, Kent State, Miami of Ohio, and Ohio University. Basically, think Ohio, and then you also have Buffalo. Uh, in the West, you have Ball State, Central Michigan, Eastern Michigan, Western Michigan, Northern Illinois, and Toledo, which doesn't count as Ohio, so my point from earlier still stands. <laughs> Wasn't there, like, a damn near war over Toledo? Oh, Absolutely God. there was, and I regret that to this day. <laughs> <laughs> because in return for getting Toledo, uh, Ohio got Toledo, and then the state up north got the Upper Peninsula. And who made out on that deal? It was obviously not Ohio. <laughs> you want you want the Upers to be part of Ohio? Is that what you're saying? I want the Upers to be part of anybody other than the Mitten. The Mitten doesn't deserve the Upper Peninsula. It's too precious. Have you been have you been up there? It's actually yeah, no. really awesome. No, I have not. It's oh, something about Michigan is awesome doesn't deserve to be part of the state. It doesn't count. No, so, no. He anyway. doesn't consider it the upper peninsula of Michigan. He considers it the uh, northeastern portion of Minnesota. It's the state of Superior. That's what it is to me. <laughs> oh, so Michigan's superior to Ohio. That's not what I said. Moving <laughs> on, before I get myself into more trouble. Uh, the reigning conference champion is Northern Illinois. Head coach Thomas Hammock is headed into his fourth season there. Kind of out of nowhere. Nobody really expected Northern Illinois to be pushing for that conference title. They did have Rocky Lombardi at quarterback, which is a name that sounds like it should be familiar, but is probably not actually because, I mean, well, he's it is the if quarterback for Northern Illinois. I was going to say, it is if they've listened to our show. We've talked about it a few times. Yeah, but with a name like Rocky Lombardi, if you've heard it once, you will remember it forever. That's just that's how that works. <laughs> uh, they are coming off a 9-5 and five season overall. One of those losses was in their bowl game, but they are the reigning MAC champion. Uh, ESPN doesn't predict they'll do quite as well this year. 
win projected win total around seven, which I think is about what was expected whoa, of them whoa, last whoa. year too. Their projected Maybe. win total is six point nine. Nice. Nice. Very nice. <laughs> which How is much better than Akron's two point six, by the way. Not nice. <laughs> significantly better than the East champion, East Division champion, Kent State at five point one too. Uh, right. I think it's very clear there is a very big split between the two divisions. Yeah, you got Miami, Ohio at 7.3 and Toledo at 8.9, which that doesn't make sense to me, but um, it, it we'll seems very weighed towards the Western Conference or Western Division, yeah. in my opinion, yeah. just from looking at these. I would agree. I mean, Central, Western, and Eastern Michigan are all very solid right now. And the fact that Eastern Michigan went seven and six and it feels like a letdown is incredible because historically Eastern Michigan has been one of the worst teams in division one. Yeah. <laughs> and Chris Creighton has done an amazing job there. He's had his ninth season with the Eagles. Well-deserved because wow, he, what a job he has done turning that program around. So I think coaching I think was changes. Equally surprising to me. Sorry. Go ahead. What's equally surprising to me is having Western at only five for five point six projection as well. All right, this team is just one that constantly hangs around, and I know we're getting into the losses here. Uh, there are a there's a very big one at the top of it uh, yeah. from Western, and that's why a very big reason why their win total is projected three less. Before we get there, though, I do want to talk about coaching changes. There's only one coaching change in the MAC right now. Tom Arth is out at Akron, and coming in is Joe Moorhead, who is formerly a head coach in the SEC, a coordinator for Penn State before that, and a coordinator at Oregon most recently. Now coming, basically coming home to the Akron area, very interesting that Akron was able to pull a name like Joe Moorhead. Hopefully that turns into some actual good seasons. But at the same time, Akron right now is pretty devoid of talent. So we'll see what he can do. That's great to see I, the Zips doing well. Yeah. I, I appreciate the hire. I think it's going to be a good fit for him. It's just like you said, it's going to take a couple of years. you got to get some recruits in. Um, that, that takes time. He never really felt like a good fit to me in Mississippi State. So getting into a situation where he can actually take his time, yep. develop his own systems like Akron, I'm sure is going to give him the leash to do so. This could be a really great resume building move for Joe Moorhead. And I feel like he is looking to take over a major program at some point again in the future. We'll see. Agreed. Hot seat. Across this conference, I only really see one hot seat, and it would be Scott Loeffler, who spells his name with one T, and I hate it every single time. Scott oh God, with one T looks terrible, ugly. and I wish he would change that about himself. Uh, I'm sure Poland Green also wishes that he would change his coaching style because it has not worked. Uh, Bowling Green has been terrible. The last time they were good, though, you have to think, was probably when they hit Urban Meyer. So Scott Loeffler was in a tough situation trying to bring Bowling Green to any semblance of decent football and uh, has not been able to do so. This is will be his fourth season there, and he 
right now is seven and twenty-two overall. Yeah, it's it's going to be time to move on. They need to find a coach that can bring them some wins and be a stable presence. Seven and twenty-two over four, well, three seasons three at seasons. this point. Yeah. That's just that's not going to cut it. I don't care what program you're at. Um, you, sh- you need to get the wins rolling. You're averaging two wins a year. Ah, that's not okay for me. I mean, they had a pretty high-powered offense in 2015, but yeah, it's been it's been a minute since this team was good, and right. uh, that's just it's man, it's it's sad. It, it it was crazy to me how much this team declined in one single season. We went from a 44 to 48 game against Memphis to them losing the next season, 77 to three, right? Yeah. Uh, they just fell <laughs> off an absolute fucking cliff and they have not recovered from that. And they s- continue uh, to, play to struggle. So yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I don't know what the answer there is. I don't know that. I don't know if Scott Loeffler leaving will change that, uh, but I, yeah, he's definitely, I'll be in the hot seat. So kind of switching gears here to the actual good talent in the Mac. Uh, let's look at who got drafted and some significant undrafted free agents who are leaving their respective teams. Of course, you already alluded to it, Bug. Uh, Sky Moore leaving is huge. In the second round, no less, very good talent. And at the same time, their quarterback was undrafted free agent headed to Seattle Seahawks. Western Michigan's offense is going to look very different this coming season. Yeah, and that's uh, that's where a lot of their, I don't want to say issues, but a lot of people not having faith in this team, uh, and more yeah. importantly, people not having faith in Tim Lester. I mean, look, this dude filled some very big shoes left behind. Uh, man, I'm I, Tug's remembering names, and I'm doing awful with names. PJ Fleck, there we go, <laughs> left behind by PJ Fleck, and uh, the team. They didn't seem to lose a step. So I don't know what he has to do to get people to believe in him and his process up there, but I I think they're probably I'd say winning in the division or problem. winning the conference would go a long way. Yeah. Yeah. Need to see that. See what happens this year. <laughs> I mean, they, were, they were one game one game out of going to the conference championship this year, right? So Right. I I'll be honest with you guys. Uh I'll tell you who I I'll tell you who I'd be if I was scared right now, and that'd be uh, Central Michigan's quarterback. Losing both of your tackles in the draft in the second and third round, that's a big loss for Central Michigan, but speaks a lot to what they've been building there. Uh, Absolutely fantastic to see it. Uh, You've got – I'm probably going to butcher it. uh, Luke Gadecki and Bernard Raymond, uh, both fantastic tackles on point. Uh, Both the Bucs and the Colts are going to enjoy those guys here for years to come. You can pronounce some white names. Good job. Nailed it. <laughs> Sorry, I hate the way that Bernard Raymond spells his name. Well, because he's not I, American, so. That's fine. It just looks like Bernhard to me now, and I can't unsee it. Well, he's a hard man to get past. Good. <laughs> uh, Toledo is losing a couple of good defensive backs. Tyson Anderson was actually one of my favorite safeties in this class, going to the Bengals in the fifth round. And Samuel Womack, corner for them, one of the 49ers. And then we had Dominique Robinson, defensive end for the Red Hawks, Miami of Ohio, headed to the Chicago Bears. 
So some good defensive talent at the back end, some better offensive talent at the front end. Uh, that's kind of how the Mac has gone. There have been some exciting plays from the offenses at times and some interesting prospects on defense. I think that trend will continue, at least for this next coming season as well. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so no, you were I'm about to say something, but that's all right. No, I, I'm ready to move on down to, uh, honestly, I'm looking at the two undrafted quarterbacks here, uh, yeah. Dustin Crum out of Kent State and uh, Caleb Ellaby out of uh, Western here. I'm intrigued in their fits. I have my doubts that Dustin Crum cracks the roster, but that's just because the Chiefs have a solid quarterback room. It's going to be a lot of extra work to get there. He's primed for a practice squad spot. But I would not be surprised if Caleb Ellaby actually does make the Seahawks roster and maybe even challenges for that number two, uh, number two spot this offseason. I doubt that. I think your number one and number two are pretty firm with Drew Locke and Geno Smith. But Caleb Ellaby making the roster is not out of the question, even as an undrafted free agent. Uh, both of them are pretty talented. I was surprised to see at least Caleb Ellaby go undrafted and – you know, Dustin Crum, I understand it, but he did lead a pretty high-powered Kent State offense last year, and that was probably the most exciting part of the MAC East was that Kent State offense. I also really love Sterling Weatherford, another one of my under-the-radar safeties that I like to look out for. You know, last year I was hyping up Middle Tennessee guy, but Sterling Weatherford was on my radar as well, out of Miami of Ohio. Did go undrafted, Indianapolis Colts, but at the same time, sad to see him go. He was a really fun safety to watch. I guess let's go ahead and jump to recruiting classes where we see Miami of Ohio. Once again, talking about the Redbirds. They're, they're doing the best out of anybody here, but that's not saying too much. Let's be real. It is the Mac. You're not going to be recruiting top-end talent. But Miami did get 17 three-stars to commit to their program, which is more than anybody else in the Mac can say. Which is also and, all of their recruits. Yes. Talk about consistency. <laughs> yeah, them and Buffalo, adds, they're getting pretty much the same level of talent, but Buffalo got a couple of guys fewer. So it's, it's interesting to see what the top end of recruiting in the Mac can be compared to the bottom end, like Ohio and Eastern Michigan. Yeah where you're bringing in some really unknown guys and only four guys even starred at all. Do, do transfers um, transfers register in the recruiting class rankings or no? No. no. Okay, that – and again, this is something we've talked about for a bit. It's worth bringing up here. The reason you're only seeing Eastern Michigan with seven guys, Akron with ten guys. Uh, these are total recruits, by the way. Um because a lot of these guys are going after the transfer market. There's some valuable players there uh, that are looking for a place to start. They might be a little rough around the edges, but they're definitely a lot more polished than what you're getting direct out of high school. Uh, you, they can make an immediate impact, even if it's only for a year or two. So that, that's one thing to know here is that, yeah, you're seeing Eastern Michigan with the number 128 ranked recruiting class in the nation, but we're not, we're not considering their transfers yet. Right. So, speaking of transfers, it's interesting to me the same way that we saw with Conference USA. There are these uh, kind of spurts of transfers going together to different schools. 
like two Penn State guys going to Akron. We have uh, two Rutgers guys going to Kent State. Right. It's it's kind of interesting to me to see some of that dynamic happening. I will say Toledo really built up that defense via the transfer portal. A couple of linebackers and edge rusher out of Maryland there. Uh, Arizona and Ohio State, the linebackers. And then Purdue guys going to Western Michigan. Got a corner, a defensive lineman. Should be very exciting to see what those guys are able to do. Actually, you know probably first or second on the depth chart instead of third or fourth. It's yeah. probably a lot easier at Western than it was at Purdue. Right. What's what's going on at Eastern bringing in two quarterbacks? Yeah, so they kind of didn't have anybody that they believed in, which leads to uh, – uh, let's see what we can find out here. So, actually, their, their main quarterback, who they expected to be their quarterback, and their starter last year, was a transfer from Cincinnati the year prior. And he said, hey, now that Desmond Ritter's gone, I'll go back to Cincinnati and see what I can do. (laughs) So in his place, they got another quarterback from Cincinnati. Cameron McCoy now is on the Eastern Michigan roster. And they didn't trust him enough, so they also brought in Taylor Powell out of Troy. I have no idea what Eastern Michigan is trying to do here. I don't know how I, I don't this think is translating the wins. To At the same time, I have a lot more faith in Eastern Michigan than I do in, say, Bowling Green. So, you know. Checks. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> uh, main outgoing transfers, we're really looking at uh, the guys who went to Power 5 schools. So, for example, Zach Gibson heading out of Akron, going to Georgia Tech. Uh, probably not going to be starting quarterback for them, but at the same time, at least competing at a Power 5 school is a pretty big step up. Dylan McDuffie, though, running back from Buffalo, definitely has a chance to be starting for Georgia Tech after Georgia Tech, in turn, lost their starting running back via the transfer portal to Alabama. So, you know, people moving up the chain. <laughs> A couple of edge rushers leaving Miami of Ohio, going to Power 5 schools, as much as we can call Kansas Power 5 school, I guess. Oh, my God, that's such a downgrade. I would rather play for (laughs) Miami, Ohio. I'd rather sit the bench on Miami, Ohio. You can get some more scouts' eyes on you if you're playing in the Big 12. Let's just be real. Do the scouts know that Kansas has a team? It's, uh, really get more eyes on. it's just a list of highlights for the other teams, so <laughs> why not show up? <laughs> what are you going to say, Bug? So I know somebody who will get a lot more eyes on them is because of recent success from the running back position out of Memphis, and that's yep. Javon Ducker, yep. even Northern yep. Illinois. Northern Illinois is a very well-rounded team. That's ultimately why they were able to not just get into the MAC championship but win the whole thing. Uh, Javon Ducker got to be a piece of that and he's going to fit in nicely on the Memphis offense yeah obviously not going to a power five school there but I wanted to include not it a because power I knew you'd school. have something to say power six yeah I mean if you're yeah, gonna power six if you're gonna go to a group of five school as a running back might want to be American yeah yeah oh my god sorry I'm looking ahead is that Blaine Gabbert's brother yeah yeah it is nice <laughs> Yes, the, it is. The canoe? Let's go ahead, we're gonna let's call go ahead and jump there. Uh, 
<laughs> on the show, yes. He is now the canoe on the show. Jeez. Yeah, Miami of Ohio's quarterbacks going to be Brett Gabbard. Yes. Well, let's go ahead and jump there. Players to watch on offense. Brett Gabbard's one of them. Actually, I think he's probably going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the conference this year, right alongside Rocky Lombardi. That's – Brett Gabbard's pretty decent, <laughs> which, you know, I'm talking about a Mac quarterback here. But at the same time, Brett Gabbard's pretty good. Uh, Central Michigan, I think, has one of the most enviable problems you can possibly have. Too many running backs. Two running backs who could definitely be starters for you and yep. possibly even starters beyond the Mac, right? Lou Nichols and Kobe Lewis are both really good. So <laughs> I and think that bodes well for the Chippewas. I was going to say that, and we're going to really highlight that this year with, with what I just said, too. If these guys can produce like they, they're expected to behind what is a relatively inexperienced offensive line now, that's going to speak wonders to who these two running backs are. Um, that's going to be how they get success on that in their passing game is by making people respect the run uh, because you could probably switch these two running backs out and they don't know whether you're passing or running on that down. That's like you said, that is such a good problem to have is to keep the defense guessing at all times. Another guy I'm going to be interested to see what he's able to do on offense is Toledo's quarterback, Daquan Finn, who has a year of starting experience now. He wasn't really that great last year, but that defense for Toledo is going to be so freaking good that if he's at least average and he can elevate his game just a little bit, Toledo ought to be a real threat to win this conference. Uh, let's go ahead and jump to that defense because there's two brothers in that front seven for Toledo who are definitely all-conference caliber, if not even maybe a little bit better than that. Dijon and Deontay Johnson, defensive tackle and linebacker, respectively. You got to love just, them being at two different levels of the defense, all yeah. both in that front seven. That's fantastic. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that, honestly, that entire front seven for Toledo is very good. Just those two brothers I wanted to highlight because I think that's a cool story. But, uh, yeah, that defense for Toledo is going to be should be the best in the conference. Also looking out for some really good linebacker play at Buffalo. We've seen that in the past. You know, I'm sure Bugs keenly familiar with a particular Buffalo linebacker. Uh, yeah, I might, look have, out might for. have heard of one. Might have heard at least one before. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the one to look out for now is James Patterson, uh, brother of the running back we talked about from Buffalo not that long ago. James Patterson plays the opposite side of the ball, but at the same time is a very good player and probably the best player on Buffalo's roster right now. I was going to say, is, if you grew up having to stop Jarrett Patterson, you're probably going to be an okay linebacker. <laughs> so, you know, a uh, little, little home field advantage yeah. in the backyard, that is. And then Eastern Michigan has this defensive end, Jose Ramirez, who I can't help but think about the Jose Ramirez for the Cleveland Guardians. And so I love him already. And he's also a really good defensive end. So. <laughs> I I don't know. I, I, I see you've marked one for the all-name team. Bubba uh, Arslanian. So. Yeah. Full send. I had a really hard time finding anybody to talk about on Akron. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, actually, Bubba is a pretty solid linebacker. 
Probably second team range all conference. We'll see what he's able to do. But at the same time, I actually like the way he plays. So we'll see what he can he can put together today. But did did I say his name right though? That's the real question. As as far as I know, Arslanian. All right, that, I'll take that, it. That checks. <laughs> I, I don't know how else to pronounce it, so we'll go with it. But I think that about does it for our conference preview. Other than our projections for the conference, so we need to run down who we think is going to win each division because. You know, that's not going to be a thing anymore next year. We're probably not going to have any divisions to talk about after the new NCAA rule change. But this year, at least, we still have divisions. So who's going to win the East? Who's going to win the West? And who is going to be the eventual champion? Who wants to start us off? Uh, you know, I'm going to go with uh, Kent State to win the East just because, well, if I'm being honest, I have no real good reason other than they won it last year. I don't understand where the Miami of Ohio hype is coming from, and I'm more inclined to believe there's going to be a repeat than a Red Hawk uprising here. From the West, though, I also don't believe that Western Michigan is going to take as big of a step back as you know the one projection we mentioned ESPN is projecting. Yeah, they lost a decent amount, but give some credit to that coaching staff there, what they've been able to do and continue from what P.J. Fleck built to what Tim Lesser has been doing for five, now going into his sixth year up in uh, the Kalamazoo area up there at Western. They're going to win. They're going to get the revenge because I like, I don't think, uh, you know, while I think Kent State is going to repeat, I don't think NIU is going to repeat. Western is going to get the revenge on them this year, and then they're going to take their place back at the top of the MAC this season. So when I, when I, when I look at this, um, I'll start at the West because I do want to comment on your, on your Western machine here. You're right. I don't think I take as big of a step back as people are saying they are, but I'm not a fan of the way their schedule set up this year. It's not a favorable schedule for them. Uh, opening again, opening up against Michigan state's going to be tough. A few weeks later or two weeks later, going, uh, bringing Pittsburgh into your home turf for your first home game, that's that's not going to be an easy way to open the season. That's my concern there, which is why I'm going with Toledo out of the West. Um, I don't trust ESPN's predictions, but I'm looking at their schedule. Uh, their out-of-conference is very favorable. Their in-conference is very favorable, right? So that's the t- they have the type of schedule where they can get on a roll early, and once you start rolling, it's hard to stop. So I'm going to take Toledo out of the West. And then I'm going to take Miami, Ohio out of the East for many of the same reasons. Uh, I think they're a well-rounded team. I think they're they're built to succeed this year. Um, and, and that's kind of what I'm expecting. Uh, it's going to take time uh, to kind of see how this shakes out. Uh, about 12 games to see how it all shakes out, to be exact. Uh, but I, I'm putting my faith in Miami, Ohio. So, I don't know if I love my pick for the West. I'm going to go with it because I think it's an interesting conversation and I think it's worth having. I'm going to take Central Michigan out of the West. And uh, I like Toledo more as a team. But I think the the Mac West is going to be very close. I'm going to say it that way. I think the top three that we have here, Western, Central, and Toledo, are going to be probably your top three teams out of the West. I think that could go in any order. 
and the Mac is prone to some huge upsets, some huge swings all the time. I'm going to put some faith in Jim McElwain, one of the best known coaches in the Mac for a reason. I mean, he had had a pretty good run of success there for a time outside of the Mac before coming to Central Michigan and really putting together some solid teams. Like last year was really good for Central. They were a game or two away, just like everybody's going to be out in the Mac West. Then in the East, I'm going to say Kent State has the offense to be the Mac champion. I don't think they have the defense to compete at that level. Miami of Ohio is a more complete team. They also have a quarterback who can win them the division. They have a defense that can win them the division too. That makes a difference to me. I'm going to say Miami actually wins the conference here after Central shocks the world and wins the West. So I'm going to disagree with you there. And I'm going to disagree with you because we were just discussing how much further ahead the West is than the East. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take my West champion here. I'm gonna go with Toledo. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I don't hate it. <laughs> ben, did I cut you off before you said who your champion was gonna be? No, I thought it was gonna be Western. Okay. I mean, I respect it. Whoa. You have to. It is Especially when I respect it. I respect it more than I respect my own singing voice. Oh, but it's fantastic. No, I hate on it just so I can hear you guys compliment. Oh, we sped that up. Yeah, so it's bracket time. Getting out of the conference preview into our bracket. This is the Power 5 plus 5 stadiums bracket, meaning we're taking every Power 5 team plus the 5 who are about to be Power 5 schools in BYU, uh, UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston. And, you know, Notre Dame kind of counts as well. So Power 5 plus 5 at 69 overall stadiums that we're covering in this bracket. Very nice indeed. Nice. And we have four matchups for you today, which, of course, you guys helped us vote on with our Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram polls. If you want to be a part of that, I know I shouted out earlier in the show, but just look for BDT football. You can find us pretty much everywhere. I will say Instagram, we are BDT underscore football. So go ahead and check us out on social media. Vote in the polls. We would certainly appreciate if you did so. We had a pretty good turnout this week. Very proud of that. And with that said, let's go ahead and get started. Our first matchup of the week, Bryant-Denny Stadium, up against the recently renamed JMA Wireless Dome, formerly the Carrier Dome, and actually just recently pretty renovated as well. So an interesting matchup to be sure. At the same time, it was a blowout in our polls in favor of Bryant-Denny Stadium. I mean, is it is it any surprise that it was a blowout though? I mean, let's 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 just be real for a minute. Who's shocked? Show of hands. Yep, yep, exactly. <laughs> yep. Any yeah, comment there, Tug? <laughs> yeah. No, so my my one comment is the one thing that's going to carry Brian Denny for me through the early part of this, and I know they've got rid of it recently, so it's going to be a knock later in the bracket. But is when they play. Uh, 
Oh, Dixieland Delight by Alabama. I think sometime between the third and fourth quarter. Their, their comments that they add to it that I'm not going to get into on the air are fantastic. I love it. And that's going to carry them at least for a little bit with me. Yeah, yeah I mean, okay you want to look at traditions. Look, I'm not, I'm not going <laughs> to... I'm not going to go for the JMA wireless zone, and we're going to be yeah. talking about Alabama plenty in the future. So I'm going to leave that uh, for a later date. But what I will say, uh, just to give a little credence to the formerly uh, named Carrier Dome, third down playing Hell's Bells, fans getting out their keys and shaking them around everywhere on key plays in the game, right? And just the acoustics of that dome in particular, there are yeah. many former ACC players that have had to play games in the Carrier Dome that have said it is one of the toughest places in college football to play. And the fans are a big reason for that. And just everything about that stadium really plays into that. So got to give it its due, even if uh, overall it's not that great of a stadium, especially not when you're comparing it to Bryant Denny, right? Yeah, comparing it to one of the cathedrals of college football, you know. Uh, Brian Denny's going to move on here. <laughs> uh, next matchup of the day, Mountaineer Field up against Heinz Field. An NFL stadium snuck its way in here somehow. Uh, that's where the Pitt for Pittsburgh Panthers play their home games. But West Virginia plays them at Milan Husker Stadium. Uh, Mountaineer Field is kind of how I actually know it, but that's not the name of the stadium. And we're going with the name of the stadium on here. So... <laughs> Uh, who won the social media polls? That would be West Virginia. Oh, thank God. I, <laughs> yeah. I was honestly surprised <laughs> that Pittsburgh got – that Hinesville got as many votes as it did. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's fair. It's a nice stadium. But when you're having to have your college games in a pro stadium full-time, man, that sucks. See, and, and that's that was gonna be my argument. I'm really glad I didn't really have to do too much because I'm agreeing with social media here. I I have an issue with you sharing your stadium with an NFL team because I don't. It's one thing when we crap on the Big Twelve for saying you need an on-campus stadium. It's another thing when you don't even have your own stadium. That bugs me personally. I don't know. It just does. It's super minuscule. I'm sorry, but I'm I am glad to see West Virginia move on at least through the first round. And, I'll, and I'll so, be, go ahead. I'll be fully honest here. They might have some other traditions uh, at Heinz Field, but let's be real. It's it's an NFL stadium first. They right. don't yep. really have any college football traditions there. Right? Well, and there's only so much you can do when you, like I said, you don't own the stadium, right? There's you're you're leasing it. There's only so much you can do there. Yep. So. West Virginia's stadium is moving on here. And let's go ahead and jump to our next matchup. Sanford Stadium, home of the Georgia Bulldogs, up against Bill Snyder Family Football Stadium. What a long name for the way to say Kansas State Wildcats home turf. And their field is also named for somebody. It's it's a whole thing. Yeah. So I think you have that little BDT logo in the corner. Uh, oh, okay. There it is. It is. I thought it was on Kansas State for a second. I was like, you have that in the wrong place. Because Sanford no Stadium definitely way. won the social media poll. <laughs> I don't think there was any way the field between the hedges was going to lose in the first round. But let's see what you guys have to say. 
man, I I love the look of the purple. Um, but Georgia's different, man. It's a different level. Yeah. You get 90,000-plus fans in a stadium, not just on big Saturdays, on every Saturday. Um, and that creates its own atmosphere. Add on top that they've got natural grass down there. You boys know I love that. Um, uh, I just, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick with Sanford here. Yeah, I got to give props to uh, Kansas State for probably their most notable and biggest tradition at football games being the Wabash Cannonball, which is a song that the uh, the band plays and everybody kind of goes crazy for. There, there's music involved in some of these other traditions at different fields that we'll bring up. Um, so it's it's always nice to see that a school is doing one of those and including the band in that. But overall, the stadium is really uninspiring to me. Uh, if it didn't have um, a full, it won the full bowl all the way around. Really, not even that much of a bowl. Uh, it would almost look like a uh, an FCS stadium. Yeah. So I, it's tough to yeah. give it a lot of credit. And yeah, uh, Sanford Stadium between the hedges, home of the national champs. That's going to be a tough one for anybody to beat right now. I kind of don't like the way Kansas State has their stadium squared off in a way too. Yeah. You know, those corners yeah. being as you know, linear as they are. It's also weird to me. Uh, yeah, I, I hate <laughs> do the sight lines from that. I, yeah. Any of those corners has to be right. absolute dog shit. Right. Yeah. It's also <laughs> very, uh, it's just a very boring design, man. It's a very boring stadium. There's nothing, oh, there's nothing really inspiring about it. I guess probably the, the easiest thing to say here. And last matchup of the day with Sanford Stadium, of course, moving on there. Uh, is a Husky Stadium, home of the Washington Huskies, up against uh, Carter Finley Stadium, home of the NC State Wolfpack. And social media, of course, went with Washington because Husky Stadium, <laughs> it just looks better. I'll be real. It looks better. And I got to say, I, you know, one of the big things I wanted to kind of highlight uh, was traditions. And both of these stadiums, uh, talk about tailgating, or in Husky Stadium, uh, in their case, sailgating, as in tailgating on boats outside of the stadium. When I first read that, I was like, I'm not going to include that. And then I started looking at the pictures again, and I was like, oh, it makes sense now. Um, but they won overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly on social media. So I'll talk a little bit more about North Carolina State. And they say, you know, nobody does tailgating the way that we do at NC State. Okay, cool. That's great and all, but let's talk about some more other uh, traditions here. They are one of the schools, and I wouldn't know anything about this Memphis. I was able to get into any game I wanted to. They have a lottery as far as getting tickets to games. So with that, they have what's called camp out. And uh, I can't—I don't want to call it social points, but they had like game points, ticket points, or whatever. And uh, for this camp out, you could go from freshman status as far as points to junior status as far as points, meaning you have more of a chance to get tickets for X, Y, and Z games. So that is a pretty cool tradition, even if I'm not completely buying that uh, tailgating at NC State is that much better than tailgating anywhere else. Uh, Got to give them a little credit there that they are building some type of tradition. And again, since this is a stadium bracket and not solely just about the college uh, football aspect of it or the teams that play there, 
Uh, worth mentioning that they are going to host an NHL outdoor game, whether it's the classic or a stadium series game that will happen in February of next year, 2023. So that is, that's going to be a nice little feather in the cap for, for, uh, for the uh, Carter Finley stadium. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's always a fun one to have. It was fun when they had it at the Academy. I was mad. They waited until after, after I was out um, before they did that. But no, I, Man, I'm looking at these. When I look at, down their stats, they honestly look about the same to me. I enjoy that record capacity for Washington was against Army in 1995. That is a fun little fun fact. Um, but when I'm looking at this, I actually enjoy the overhangs that they have at Husky, uh, yeah, at Husky Stadium a lot more than the the flat bowl shape that it looks like they have out of out of uh, N- uh, NC State here. They're both good stadiums. Uh, I'm going to actually deviate from my normal path. I'm going to come across from uh, the, the natural grass that they got down in, uh, down in uh, NC State, and I'm going to go to Husky Stadium. So wow. it sounds like Husky Stadium does move on here. We'll be wow. facing. You you deviated from going natural grass. I don't I don't know how to how to handle you anymore. I know. Two hands will help. What's, what's <laughs> Jesus. All right. <laughs> Enough out of you. All right. So next episode, the matchups we're gonna see Beaver Stadium up against uh T D E C U to Touchdown E C U C Yeah. Touchdown ECU is definitely not what they want to hear in Houston, but you know, it's a thing that has happened probably. I don't want to spend time (laughs) on it this week, but why the fuck is Penn State Stadium called Beaver Stadium? Uh, Yeah. So, (laughs) next matchup we'll be looking at is Memorial Stadium. That, of course, being uh, Missouri's Memorial Stadium, because there are like seven of those. Uh, And up against Mississippi State's Davis Wade Stadium. And I'll I'll throw this out here. I went with Barat Field because I feel like I hear it called that more than I've ever heard it called Memorial Stadium. Um so yeah, I I think that's probably the more common name. And yes, there's seven or eight stadiums that are called Memorial Stadium. So any any change we can get to it, we're gonna put it in there. Yeah. Uh, so this is what you'll see on the bracket. Next up will be Camp Randall up against the Rice Eccles. That's going to be a huge one. Do we have I, I graphics for it, please? As, the game, the go. game between these two teams would be fantastic. I don't see this right. matchup of stadiums right. being as close as maybe you might be thinking right now, or at least it sounds like you're well, thinking it will be. I have to talk maybe too much. Yeah, Camp Randall is uh, a lot bigger and a lot more established. It's, but Rice Eccles uh, has uh, some some charm to it in its own right, I guess. <laughs> we'll see what see what happens on social media polls. And then the last matchup of the episode for next episode, another Memorial Stadium, this one being Indiana's. And it looks like we didn't get a picture of the an overhead of the new renovation. They did close off that bowl. Uh, up against Notre Dame Stadium, which doesn't really have a special name. It's just Notre Dame Stadium, which I kind of respect. Same. And the one time I, I wait. Mark it. Doug said he respects something about Notre Dame. I'm going to say this sure. right now. 
and I'm sure I will say it again next week when we are talking about it, the fact that they put an addition onto Notre Dame Stadium that covered up touchdown Jesus is an absolute travesty. <laughs> but we'll get into that conversation a whole lot more next episode. Make sure to vote in our social media polls. Again, you can find those on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all those good places. Add all those links that I've definitely already shouted out a couple times. So thank BDT Football. You can find us pretty much anywhere and vote on our polls. Certainly appreciate it. And with that being said, I think that's about it for this episode, unless you guys have some parting shots for us. What do you got? I'm staring at Ben because it's been a week, two weeks since I've heard a, a good dad joke. Really? You, you just want me to go? You send it, dude. I think we got to shout out the uh, the links a little bit better than that because we haven't talked about our Patreon yet, patreon.com backslash BDT football. Be sure to go there and donate. You can get in on uh, some action as far as our, uh, our Discord when the college football season starts. Obviously, you'll get our college football uh, trench ratings, the full list, not just the free 10 that we give you on the show every week. And uh, we'll even throw up our, our preview notes that we have for all the conferences for anybody that wants to go in there and see that. We'll make sure you get access to it and you can kind of see all the things that we decided to highlight. Uh, at BDT Football on Twitter, BDT, Facebook.com backslash BDT Football. And as of course, we've mentioned every time, Instagram.com backslash BDT underscore football. Don't forget to check out BDTFootball.com. And you can send us an email question at mailbox at bdtfootball.com. There, I got it all. Nailed you it did up. it. Nailed Good it. job. <laughs> but uh, I got to say, man, every time I try to eat healthy, you know, I've been I've been on this diet kick. I want to get, get healthier, get in better shape. I just, Same. every time I try to eat healthy, a chocolate bar looks at me in Snickers. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is clearly all the time we have on the show today. Thank you for watching and listening. And you can't win a game if you can't win the thing.